Hi, I'm Scotty. Some of my favorite memories from college involve Baylor football. And many of those memories are accompanied by great memories of the banter that came with the territory. Yeah, it's the banter that makes college football so fun, and that's what I'm here to bring to you. Bears Illustrated presents Please Bear With Me. What's up? Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. I'm Scotty Swingler. Silas Nasita, or as you may remember him, Salsa Nacho, was Baylor's fourth string running back in 2014, yet quickly became a legend and a fan favorite. His story is remarkable. If you haven't read it or heard it, I would really encourage you to look it up right now. Along the way, he was homeless. He had to go to MCC to make grades to get into Baylor's football program. And he overcame some incredible odds. In the spring of 2015, the NCAA ruled Silas ineligible for supposedly accepting impermissible benefits because he was couch surfing for a time while homeless. This decision had many Baylor fans, including myself, up in arms, but Silas did not get to return to the field for Baylor. In the years since, Silas has been achieving some incredible things. He sat down with me to talk about his career at Baylor, but more importantly, what he's done since. This is the best conversation I have had so far in producing this show, and I really hope you enjoy it. Here's Baylor legend, Silas Nasita. Okay, I am sitting here with former Baylor running back Silas Nasita. Silas, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I actually just got back from Germany a week ago. So it feels really good back to Are you rested today. or is there some jet lag? I was jet lagged for about three or four days, yeah. um, but I'm good now. Yeah. Okay, well, so first things first, for the Baylor fans that maybe haven't followed you closely or haven't kept up with you, um, for some of them, they may not have followed your story after you were ruled ineligible. That was spring of 2015, correct? Yes. Okay, um, and I remember vividly you you made these very public declarations that you were going to play football again, that you were excited to play football again, that you would find a way. And then, you know, you get to Germany. And next thing I know, you, you're a football superstar over in Germany, man. Tell me that whole story. How did you figure out about professional football in Germany? Did they call you? Were you just on the internet? Like, how did this whole journey start for you? Yeah, so obviously, if you know my story, it is kind of a wild ride for sure 
But after I got ruled ineligible by the NCAA in 2015, I was actually going to play in the NAIA, and the athletic director at the time actually told me that if I left Baylor, I could play that next year. So I was actually really excited to go and play, even if it was a small school. But after getting out of Baylor, getting enrolled or trying to get enrolled in this new school in NAIA about a month before school started, um, in the fall of 2015, the coach from that school called me and said, we don't know what is going on, but in a nutshell, your situation wasn't handled properly and you were not able to play at this NAIA school, which to me I still don't understand, which is crazy because it was me who was the subject of everything. So he... Yeah, so we couldn't figure it out, and I said, well, there's no point in going to this random NAIA school. I might as well stay at Baylor where all my friends are at. I actually love the school, just I wasn't able to play football. So I came back my senior year and couldn't play football, couldn't even do intramurals, ironically. That's crazy. What's What was the logic behind you not even playing intramural football? Yeah, so they told me that you're not allowed to play intramural you're not allowed to play intramural football or the sport that you played at the collegiate level so if i play football i'm not allowed to play intramural football for a year after that if if i play basketball i'm not allowed to play intramural basketball it's it's pretty wild but yeah like there's literally nowhere i could play football in 2016 2015 whatever so go back to baylor and during that year, my this would be my senior year of college, I get invited to this this game called the Dream Bowl in Virginia Beach. It's, I remember that. Yeah. So it's, it's an uh, all-star game, so like the Reese's Senior Bowl, but this is a all-star game for like D3, D2 players, players that wouldn't get a shot in the Senior Bowl. And so I was like, hey, heck yeah, I'll do it. There's NFL scouts there, CFL scouts there, let's do it. So I end up signing up for that. And about a week or two before I'm supposed to go out to Virginia, I get called by the president of this Dream Bowl, and he says, "You're not draft eligible, so you're not actually you're not allowed to to compete in this game and and you know do the combine in front of the NFL scouts." Now, why was that? So, <laughs> yeah, like, okay, the NCAA already kept you from playing college football. Why do they have to? What is their purpose in preventing you from trying out for pros? So I I'm. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you all this, but to this day, I still don't remember or understand all like the details. But this this particular game, I wasn't able to play. I had something to do with the fact that I wasn't draft eligible, and I was trying to figure out what that meant. How was I not draft eligible? And and I, this is the legitimately this is the real conversation I had with with the guy. I said, "How am I not draft eligible?" He said. Um, because you haven't used up your eligibility. And I said, well, I don't have any more. They took it. And he said, you technically do. You just can't use it. That's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I still to this day don't understand uh, that whole process. But nonetheless, I go out there anyway because I had already paid for it. And I met this kid the first night who gave me this card he had called... And on the card, it said Europlayers.com. 
So I uh, got online and I got on Europlayers.com. And essentially what you do is you make a profile. And this is not just football. It's like any sport. You make a profile and then teams from around Europe can look at your profile and like basically send you a message. And at this time, I had no idea that they had the sport of football in, in Europe. And so I did that. And a week later, I got a message from this kid named Sam Wise who played for the Marburg Mercenaries in Marburg, Germany. And he basically said, hey, we have football out here. You know, we pay for your housing. You know, like you can share a car with the other teammates. And you get, I got like 400 euros a month, something crazy like that. And at that point, I was like, screw it. I just want to play football. So I said, let's go to Germany. That's awesome. That's That's crazy how... Man, that, that door got shut and shut and shut, and then here you go. You're going to Germany. So what's football like over there? As Because, you know, that's completely, like you said, I mean, I wouldn't have even guessed that Germany has its own professional football league. So if you go over there, what is football like in terms of ability, in terms of knowledge? Do guys look to you as being a guy who played Division One, you know, college football in America as as – as a, maybe a, almost a mentor or a coach on the field, you know, like what is it like playing with with guys over there, most of whom pro, I'm assuming did not grow up, you know, with football in their backyard? Yeah, so I – football in Germany is a – there's a very wide range of, of athletic ability, of skill, of knowledge of the game. The team that I actually went to my first season there was Marburg, and we were awful. I mean, we were the we were the second to worst team in the the GFL. I became offensive coordinator after like three weeks because we actually had an offensive coordinator who just dipped. He went back to America. Okay, what? Well, so he was an American. He yeah. Well, actually, he was a Canadian. He he okay. he was a coach in Canada. Um, he actually was a legendary coach, won three Grey Cups in Canada, but he's he was like 80, and he was just trying to like give it one more shot, and he was way too old, and the situation didn't So he leaves, happen. and they're like, okay, Silas, you're calling plays. Yeah, and <laughs> I, it got to the point where if I didn't plan practice, we'd have nothing to do. Like We'd show up at practice, and kids would just be like, what do we do? It, it was bad. You say kids. How old are most of these guys that are playing in the GFL? <laughs> See, that's the thing, too. It's random as mess. So... You have kids anywhere from like 16 to there's a there's a dude on one of the teams. I kid you not, this dude is 63 years old. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, like I said, it's a very wide range like of of talent, skill, ability. The best, the top teams in Europe, you could c- compete against like D3 teams, some D2 teams, I guess. But then the the lowest are, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure my high school team could beat some of the lower teams. I'm just stuck on this idea that you were calling plays. Were you just in the huddle every play calling as you went? No, I actually came up with plays, uh, like implemented them in practice. Right. But but you were calling the plays in the game from the huddle. Oh, yeah, from the huddle, definitely. And there was actually uh, a couple games where our quarterback got hurt and I became the quarterback. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and uh, actually, it's crazy. We actually did way better in those games because I called the plays, scripted them against the defense. And uh, But like I said, that was the, that was the very lower lower level. The, the team that I play for now 
it's actually is pretty professional. It pays a lot better. I mean, we get, you know, we average probably four or five thousand a games. We had some at eight or nine thousand. You know, we have coaches, position coaches, all that. And so, out there in Germany, a lot of it has to do with how much money the team has. And and one thing I didn't mention is that you're only allowed two Americans on the field. So that's another reason why the level is a lot so lower. They, it's, so they restrict. So it's not like every single college football player who doesn't make the NFL, CFL can just mm-hmm. hop over and play. The exactly. Game. Why is that? Well, the whole idea is to, to grow the sport of American football in Germany. And if you bring 22 Americans over to play for a team, then you have no Germans right. that care about the sport. Right. No, that makes sense. So, So that's interesting to me. So would you say that there is like a growing excitement about American football that these German players and the fans really want to learn about the game and implement the game? Or would you say it's just like still kind of on the front? Like, what does that look like? You know, because when, when you look, when you grew up in America and we've been playing football for a hundred years, you know, um, it's interesting to me to hear about a nation where football is kind of in the baby, baby step stages. What does that look like? Well, actually Germany is one of the, bigger countries when it comes to American football. I mean, they've had it for, I think, over 20 years in the in the making, and it's really, really, really grown. But you have to understand that, like you said, it's an American sport. It's really hard to get a sport, a country to accept a sport that's not their own. Well, and their best athletes probably go play soccer. Yes, and like, like every other country in the world, soccer is like the number one sport. But, like I said, and it's it's really in, it's really on the rise in Germany. I actually got invited to do the coin toss for the the girls German Bowl final. So they have a girls tackle football league, and they asked me to do the coin toss That's for awesome. like the final game. Now, why did they why did they ask you to do it? Are you this was something I I kind of wanted to ask this, but I don't know how to ask it. Are you are you kind of big time in football circles over there? And don't be shy about it. I mean, yeah, dude. I think that. Uh, I mean. And this has to do a lot more than just football because of my YouTube channel, which we'll talk about. But I'm probably one of the most well-known American football players in all of Germany. And that includes NFL guys. Wait, say, what do you mean? That, so, like, you're the most well, you're one of the most well-known Americans, including like Dak Prescott. And, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and, and like I said, that has to do with a lot more with my YouTube channel. But, um, but yeah, I think I personally have brought thousands of germans to the to the light of american football that's awesome do you feel does that you got to feel accomplished about that like does that make you feel good inside to know like man you know kind of went through all this crap with (laughs) ncaa and with trying to play football and this isn't i'm sure at all what you imagined it would be but you are in some ways really a pioneer over there yeah absolutely and even though i'm not the first American to go over there. I'm definitely one of the first to bring so much attention to the sport. I, you know, I don't know when you want to talk about it, um, but this I, this YouTube channel that I started um, really blew up in Germany, and like I said, thousands of Germans became curious about American football, went to games because you know I showed them what it was like, and nobody really did that before me. Go ahead and go into that since you've brought it up a couple times. You told me before we started the interview that you, you're making your living now on YouTube and you have millions of viewers a month. Tell the listeners of the podcast about that. Yeah, so 
actually my first year in Germany is when I started creating these little videos and it was mainly just to document my time overseas and to show my family what was happening because they obviously had no idea what it was like over there. But when I went back this season, I decided that I was going to do like a daily video, basically showing what my life was like over there, what football was like over there. How long are these on average? About 10 minutes. Just like a, yeah, just like highlight of my day, things like that, where talk about my day, you know, share positive messages. But in six months, I went from, you know, 180 subscribers on YouTube to over 50,000, which is pretty crazy to me that people, um, that many people would care to see what I do on a regular basis. Yeah. And you said most of these are ger- are German people, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. most of my viewers are in Germany because the way YouTube is set up, where you make your videos, it's broadcasted to the people in that area. It's like should. recommended or like, exactly. okay, got you. And I know you shared this with me earlier, but on average, how many people watch it, watch a video? On average, I would probably say, I don't know, it's so all over the place with YouTube, but I probably average 20,000 views per video, but I've had a few videos, multiple view videos that are, have hit almost a million views. That's awesome, man. You've got this YouTube channel going. Um, I looked up your stats before before I came in here. So this season, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what I saw is that you were the fourth leading rusher in the German Football League, but you were second in terms of yard per carry, which for listeners, that's seven and a half yards a carry. <laughs> so, you know, numbers that are pretty crazy. Man, how how satisfied are you with where you're at, both in terms of life and in playing football? And what's next for you? Is there another season in Germany? What does life look like for you going forward? Well, if you know me, if you know my story, you know that my life's way bigger than football. And, I mean, statistically, yeah, I had another great year. I don't even, I don't even really know what my stats are by heart, to be honest. I know it'd be crazy if it was like an NCAA season, that's for sure. But I'm not really playing anymore to, you know, prove that I'm a great football player, especially in Germany, because the German players look up to to me, to look up to Americans, because we're coming over with a, a much greater knowledge of the sport. And to go back to that question you had before, do the do the players look up to us? Yes, we we come over there and we're we're coaches, but we're also I mean, we're players, but we're also coaches. So I'm there to grow the sport of American football, help the players develop their skills. Somebody asked me one time, why don't you ever, like, truck people? And my response was, what's the point, you know? What's the point of me showing, oh, I can truck a German football player who, you know, have played the game for maybe seven, ten years, but they've played on a much lower level. What's the point of, what am I proving with that? You know, if I can make a miss another way, I'll just do it that way. Plus, I want to protect my brain. And so, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm playing for a much bigger purpose than to get stats. So no matter what, I'll be satisfied as long as I can walk away injury-free. And, and then also just to, I saw so much of the world, you know, that I would never saw. I bet. I'm actually really jealous about that part of your journey mm-hmm. yeah i mean i in the two seasons that i lived in germany you know i saw pretty much every major city in europe went to rome went to paris went to london barcelona madrid venice 
Florence, Amsterdam. Like, I would literally travel, you know, every bi week, you know, and, and I bought a flight to Venice for 15 bucks. Like, travel out there is crazy cheap compared to the United States. Right. The expensive part is getting there and exactly. housing, which your team is taking care yeah. of. Yeah. So, and I have a home base in the middle of Europe. Right. So I can go travel for four days, come back. Whereas if you're in the States, if you want to go see uh, Europe, you got to fly over there and spend a month and go all over at once because, right. you know, it's a thousand bucks to get a ticket over there. Mm-hmm. If I can touch on this really quickly, uh, a lot of Baylor fans and myself are really familiar with you're a man of really strong faith. Um, you've been very vocal about that. How does your faith in God come into play when, one, when it comes to your story? And kind of this crazy journey of doors being open and shut that has been in front of you. And two, the fact that you've been given a lot of influence and not only in America, but even more so overseas in a, in a foreign land. How do you handle that? And what, what do you see God doing in your story, both through your journey and now through this platform that you've been given? I think the biggest thing that has always helped me be the man I'm supposed to be is focusing on how can I grow closer to God? How can I be more of the man God has made me to be rather than worrying about what can my influence be? How good of a football player can I be? Things like that. I really haven't ever thought about that. I mean, I saw it. If I look back at my life and look back, even at my time at Baylor, you know, I was here for, I played one season, and yet, like, so many people heard who I was, heard my story, things like that, and if if I just focus on doing what God created me to do, you know, uh, grow closer to Him, bring Him glory, live my life for Him, he, he usually blesses that, He usually honors that. And it doesn't always look like 52,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, but that's just one way God has shown, hey, if you just honor me, I will open the right doors and I will make my glory known in your life. And one of those ways with my, this YouTube channel is sharing positive messages to a foreign country. And Germany is a very post-Christian country. So people kind of look at, at Jesus and Christianity and think, you know, that's old kind of washed up stuff, uh, very hypocritical people, and they, they shy away from it. And I have been able to step into a, a very dark country when it comes to Christianity and show them, hey, like the love of Jesus is, is more than you think it is. That's really cool, man. So, man, that just blows my mind. That's really encouraging. Okay, so... Real quick, your favorite football memory from both Baylor and your time in Germany. If it's a play, if it's a game, what's what's what memories stand out to you from your career thus far? My favorite memory at Baylor, no doubt, is my first day back. 5 a.m. workouts. It was a Tuesday because I showed up Monday. This was when I got back to Baylor, right? So I was at Baylor and I couldn't play I went to MCC and I worked and worked and worked to get back at Baylor and I finally made it happen and so I was allowed to do summer workouts with the team again 
And the first day back, it was a Tuesday because the Monday I, I was so excited. I got there at like 3 a.m. It's like two hours before workout started. And they're like, you don't have your paperwork in. You have to do some paperwork, a physical or something. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I did that and did my, my paperwork for that. And so Tuesday morning I was there. And that was definitely my favorite moment, just being able to run into the indoor with the team. I remember Bryce Petty kind of celebrating with me. Like I, I ran through the line and he saw me running, like kind of running through the warm-up line. And he just gave a, gave a big old smile and he was like, let's go, you know, because, you know, he had we had talked and he knew how bad I wanted to be out there working out with him. And, and that was definitely my favorite moment, Baylor. Um, Germany, favorite moment. Wow. I think my favorite moment was um, this year when my mom actually flew out to Germany and she got to see me play. Because that was the first time she had really seen me play, play since high school. Because I, I never really started at Baylor. I never got the chance to. So um, she saw one game there. But her being in Germany and seeing me play was really cool. That's awesome, man. Hey, that's all I've got for you, but I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Any final thoughts? What's your YouTube channel? My YouTube channel is Silas Nasita. I mean, you just look up Silas Nasita. Um, that's what it will be. Um, it's gonna, I'm going to keep doing it. I'll probably, as long as I can, I'm going to keep doing it. And and you're getting you're getting married in January. I'm getting married January seventh. Yes, that is. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you very much. And you didn't answer this question a second ago, but I, I think you said, "Are you going back for another season next next year in Germany?" Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I'm going to be married, so uh, I got to work out a deal with the team, and and they've already expressed, and as well as other hundreds of Germans that they really want me back. So I'll most likely be back in Germany for one more season. Well, hey man, you. I think you use that platform as long as you can. You keep being you. Thank you so much for having a conversation with me. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks for uh, for having me. And uh, everybody needs to listen to this podcast because Scott is the man. Believe it or not, that's all I've got for you today. I had another former player that I was scheduled to interview today, but he hasn't quite gotten back out to me. If that interview happens this week, I will post it later this week. So you might get two episodes of Please Bear With Me this week. But I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Silas. He, honestly, to me, is an inspiration. He's a conqueror. He has overcome a lot. And he is somebody that Baylor should be very proud to have as one of our alumni. Thank you so much for sitting down and hanging out with me, Silas, and for that conversation you're the man. Let me remind you that this podcast is brought to you by BearsIllustrated.com, which is one of the Scout.com sites. Bears Illustrated is about to go through some really exciting changes. Some really exciting people are being added to our team, and I am just one of them, and I'm thrilled to be on the team there. If you are not currently subscribed to any Baylor websites, I would really ask you to consider coming on board with us at Bears Illustrated. We have some of the best coverage of Baylor recruiting and everything Baylor athletics. And again, we're making some really exciting additions to the staff that I am not going to tell you just yet, but you will be hearing about soon. 
And if you're already subscribed to like a Sikkim 365 or something like that, diehards, those guys are great. Those guys are my friends, and I'm not going to tell you to unsubscribe to anything. But would you please consider jumping on board with us at bearsillustrated.com as well. We have a lot of good things coming up, and I wouldn't want you to miss it. A big old thank you to Silas Nasita for being my guest this week, to Tim Watkins, to Jeremy Wilson, to Travis Thompson, who made all of the music that you heard on today's podcast. For Bears Illustrated, I'm Scotty Swingler. This has been Please Bear With Me.